hello and a very, very warm uh, welcome. The, the the most chalorous of warm welcomes to everybody. This is Cop on Podcast. You know that. Uh, you've just clicked on listen on whatever platform that you are listening on. Thank you so much. Thanks a million for doing what you do best uh, as a listener and listening. Uh, Liverpool have just uh, beaten West Ham United in London. Three goals to one. And I am thrilled. I'm overjoyed, not only with the result, but also to be joined uh, by Abdul and by Peter. And... um, I put on Twitter, I don't know, about 10 minutes ago, asked for people's reactions and uh, very happy to get a reply from Praddy, who runs uh, a podcast called For Football's Sake, at football underscore sake. And Praddy, uh, who's in Dubai, he says he feels relieved and he thinks that that's going to be his answer every time until the end of the season. He's just really relieved. And I think that's entirely valid. Although for me, Peter, I feel much more on fire than relieved. I feel elated. Um, how are you? I feel the same way. I was relieved last week when we got a result versus Tottenham. But now I'm starting to feel that fire. The belief is back in the squad. The intensity is back in the players. Um, kudos to all of them for playing through their their little dip in form and not letting the negativity and the question marks and all the variables get the better of them. And a huge shout-out to um, Klopp as well. I mean, if you were to come to me in September and tell me that we'd be playing Nat Phillips and Henderson um, – at center back in a league game, I, I would not have guessed we'd still be in the top three. Um, today, no Mane. He puts Shakiri in at the top of a diamond and gets Origi a little bit closer to the center of the pitch. He's playing well. Mo Salah is playing at his world-class best, but nobody in the entire team dropped uh, dropped a, um, a bad performance today. And and you can you can tell the belief is just running through everybody and. And that fills me with with that fire. And um, yeah, I'm just over the moon, over the moon for the three points today. Marvellous answer. Marvellous answer. Absolutely over the moon. And you said, yeah, if somebody had told you, you know, back in September, um, if if someone had told me back in September that we would start the day on the 31st of January, just two points ahead of West Ham with, as you say, Nat Phillips and Jordan Henderson as our centre-backs, I would have... I would have panicked and thought, oh my lord, we must be about 15th in the table. As it is, Abdul, um, we're third. And that was a huge, huge win, especially given Leicester's dropping points, Man United dropping points. I mean, only a week ago, I was trembling at the thought of not being able to get fourth place. But now I really am looking upwards. How are you feeling, Abdul? Yeah, I feel amazing. Um, It was a great match uh, to watch as well. I think, yeah, the first half was a bit cagey. West Ham were well-organised. People were losing their heads on the timeline. Uh, pundits were losing their heads in the commentary box. But uh, credit to the boys, credit to Klopp. They didn't lose their heads at all. Um, and, yeah, we saw through the result. We started breaking them down with ease in the second half. And, yeah, the confidence came back. Obviously, we've been struggling for goals for the last few weeks. But the last few goals that we scored... Um, the, the, the way Firmino came on, we're just playing some absolutely dazzling football. It was um, just good to see. Um, good for the confidence in the boys after a pretty hard spell. And uh, yeah, we've had two wins in three days. A couple of big more matches, uh, big matches to come up in the next few days. So um, yeah, just got to keep it going, you know, one match at a time. But yeah, very, very positive energy in the fan base right now. You're absolutely right. Um, lots of people, including myself, were, I don't know, just very, I don't know, just almost used to it, I suppose. But the fact that we've lost Fabinho, Matip and Sadio Mane within, what, three or four days? <laughs> it's just typical of our luck this season. But for the second time in a row, the boys put on a great performance. Uh, the XG, according to Info Goal. Uh, were two was 2.12 xg for liverpool and 1.15 for 
for West Ham, the actual stats of the match, uh, we had 14 shots with five on target. West Ham had eight shots with two on target, but um, no one can deny that we deserve to win this match. We play some scintillating stuff, and I want to start with the goals. Uh, and I'm going to do them in order because uh, Klopp took James Milner off. Um, it was around about the 57th minute, something like that. He took James Milner off and Milner was not happy and they had this conversation, um, you know, on the touchline. And then the camera on, you know, the the match that I watched, it, it, it was just on flick to the back to the match. Curtis had the ball and Curtis... Talk about an instant impact. He was purposeful. He drove at those uh, West Ham players. They didn't know where to look. They were completely confused. Who is this genius on the ball? And then he flicked it out wide to Mohamed Salah. And we've seen Peter Mohamed Salah cut in on his left and curl it into the corner. Um on many occasions, not so much recently, but for his first goal of 2021, uh, he picked a marvellous time to do it, didn't he? Oh, he, he sure did. And there's there's no more important girl, goal than, than the first goal that you get in the game. And um, Curtis coming on and immediately making that impact, immediately... Um, proving Klopp's uh, point and um, rewarding his trust in whatever direction he was given. That was no accident. And and then to see, I mean, as soon as Mo squared up, uh, as soon as uh, his foot hit the ball, you just know it was going in. And Shakiru is also part of that build-up play as well as he was with the second goal, which I know that we're going to get to. But, um, but Mo with an absolutely beautiful finish. Um, even though he hasn't scored in the Premier League yet this this year, he did have two versus United. He had a beautiful goal, mind you, uh, versus Tottenham that was chalked off due to a stupid handball call. Um, so you can see that Salah is still playing with a good bit of belief and confidence. And the way he, he took both of his goals today um, just reminds us how world-class he is. There's, I think there's... There's nothing more exhilarating in the world of football than watching Mohamed Salah um, on fire. Uh, how do you feel about him, uh, Abdul, Mohamed Salah? That first goal, Curtis Jones' impact, uh, you know, go, go wherever you like with it. What have you got to say about the first goal? Yeah, Pete is absolutely right when he says that first goal is the most important goal because um, the way that Liverpool play... I know a lot of our fans criticise it, like boring, uh, we don't attack down to the centre. But what we've had a lot of success in in the last few years is breaking down a team when they've been trying to be stubborn against us. And then we won't concede because we have Virgil in defence. But um, obviously, uh, since he's been out, you know, the balance of the team has been a bit off and it's been hard to even get the first goal. Um, But yeah, just getting the first goal today was so important because immediately West Ham's organisation just kind of went downhill from there and it culminated with the way that we scored our second goal and our third goal was just such fluid football. Um, and that all just comes from, you know, a moment of genius from Mo Salah. I didn't, I, like, I, I on Sky Sports afterwards, Graeme Souness is talking about, oh, you can't show Salah onto his left foot. Oh, you can't, like the, this, the old tried and tested argument, oh, you know he's going to come onto his left foot, you can't show him. But the truth is, when a player is that good, he is going to find that little bit of space. And then um, somebody like Mo Salah with the winning mentality that he has, even if he's going through bad form, you know that he still counts on himself and he still thinks that he's the very best. So I've, I've, I myself personally, I, I have a lot of criticism for Salah, which a lot of my followers think is just uh, not warranted because I just sometimes don't think that he plays football like the best you can, but I can never ever fault his desire um, and his ability to score goals and so, so important. Curtis Jones, yeah, um, he's also been getting a lot of criticism from certain sections for not being too creative, being a bit um, uh, restrictive in his play. And yeah, he immediately comes on and uh, proves uh, Milner wrong, sorry. And uh, yeah, that was was great. 
and yeah, hopefully he can go strength to strength. I thought Shakiri had another great performance, um, playing in that kind of like eight role slash ten. Um and yeah, he he's really playing himself into form. I thought Origi as well. I know that he got a lot of uh hate, but I thought he played some of his best football in a while as well. Um dropped deep a lot of times, linked up play. Maybe he didn't win every single ball he should have been holding up, but I think he gave a really good effort. Could have got an assist in the beginning of the second half as well. And yeah, um, I hope he carries on going from strength to strength because we might need him if Mane's out with injuries. So just in general, like Peter said earlier, not a single bad performance in the team. Um, A lot of positive steps taken and just can't wait for the next match. Um, If we get three wins in a row, we're going to be absolutely, you know, fan base will be rip roaring going into that match against Man City next weekend. So I'm actually nervous for the first time in a while. I think I think we could be back in this title race. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, um, you know, two crucial matches, the last two. I mean, had we lost or even drawn either of them, we could be, you know, waving goodbye to the silver beauty of the Premier League trophy. But as it is... We are still in it. We are, we are definitely still in it. And so many positives, so many things are getting better and better. But yeah, the second goal, um, <laughs> uh, I just put on my notes, the break, because it was a quintessential break. It was a quintessential Jurgen Klopp super duper goal. Um, I counted um, 11 seconds from the time that Trent... Uh, got the ball, received the ball on the edge of our box, uh, 11 seconds before it hit the back of the net. Um, there were five touches, two uh, from Trent, one from Shakiri, and two from Mo Salah. And I know that Cherdan Shakiri, the love shack, as somebody called him today, which I thought was uh, about right, you know, love shack, that pass... Um, I mean, it's getting my heart a flutter just thinking about it. But that pass, first time to Mo Salah. But I think, Peter, and I don't know if you agree with me, the two touches that Salah took was, you know, they that was the icing on this glorious, most glorious of birthday cakes. It was the icing and the cherry, because I think it was a sort of crescendo. Each touch, each of those five touches was better than the last. Do you, I mean, perhaps you disagree, Peter. I mean, that was just pure wonder, wasn't it? Oh, and I I, I don't think I could do any better than, than you just did in describing it. It's hard to put something so beautiful and so sublime in, into words. 11 seconds, five touches, uh, the quality of the ball from Shakiri, and then the two touches from Mo. I mean, you know, you almost have to just stand back and, and revel at, at it by, by, just, by just looking at it. I heard Sala talking about the pass from Shakiri in his post-match interview, and uh, he couldn't go on and on enough about giving Shakiri credit for the quality of that pass. Um, it was every bit as good as Trent's assist to Mane um, last last game, and the fact that it dropped right in front of him. But for for Mo to take take the bottom of his foot <laughs> and kill it dead, and then have the audacity and relaxation to just ever so slightly push it with his left foot at that high speed with the ball coming in and the way he was sprinting, uh, it's just incredible. We're you know we ought to just uh, remind ourselves that that we have something really special on our hands that we get to marvel and enjoy, and it's nice to uh, to be cheering goals again. Yeah, lovely. I, I've got such a big smile on my face thinking about that, Abdul. Uh, it was a happy making goal, and I I don't know. I mean, you said you 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 sometimes criticise Mo Salah. For me, he's someone who always makes the game look simple. But that was, you know, they were two of the deftest touches, one with his wrong foot, of course, that anyone could wish to see, weren't they? He was absolutely deadly. I mean, what you know, what was... I don't know. Are you going to dream about that goal, Abdul, like I am? <laughs> yeah, it's probably going to be a wet dream. <laughs> but uh, no, nah, it's just... Uh, yeah, it's just... 
when we <laughs> when we play our football at our very best, um, it's like uh, it's otherworldly sometimes. Like I, I'm not going to try and do do the words that you do, Owen. I think you're in a league of your own with that, but there there sometimes just aren't the words to describe it. Um, some of the goals over the years that we scored just literally defy belief. And um, Mo Salah is a player who consistently defies belief. My critique of him just purely comes from, I don't know, people will say, oh, I, I care about aesthetics. But like, I just feel like sometimes he isn't as fluid as like, um, well, if you compare every player in that kind of right wing position to Messi, like Messi has a lot of like perfect artistic grace about him. Mo Salah's a lot more jagged as a player, I would say, the way he plays football. But the, the results are undeniable. Um, he's lightning in a bottle. Um, and he does things that I can't think any other player in the world can replicate. And those two touches, um, just a perfect example of that. Like, I'm sure players could take two touches, but the way that he took those two touches were very Mo Salah. It's like not really any kind of technique I've seen any other player take. But it was just like touch, touch. And I think last week he had a touch as well. Like He brought the ball down from a really high height. And it was a great touch, but it wasn't like a stereotypical kind of like technique that you teach a kid, but he made it work. And that's the thing with Mo Salah, like mainly it's just his mentality and he wants to win. He wants to score, has the desire. And then he somehow makes his body do what it needs to do. And um, we're so lucky to have him. And we've had some of the best years of our life with him in the team, um, even better than Suarez, who we signed 10 years ago today. But you would like just looking back at the end of Suarez's career when he moved to Barcelona, thinking it, it might be like another decade before we get another player who's as good as uh, Suarez. And then we get Salah within a couple of years. And he's even better than I think than what Suarez has done. So I very much love him, um, even though I do critique him a lot. But yeah, what a goal. What a goal. And yeah, Shakiri and all, all of the touches, even Robbo's clearance to start it, just Liverpool back to their very champagne best. Yes, um, yeah, I stopped drinking almost two years ago now, um, and but I feel sort of intoxicated after this win. Uh, it was an intoxicating performance. Uh, the thing with about Mo Salah that I, I'm going to say until I'm blue in the face, I've said it on Cop On before, um, it's his awareness of space around him as, as as well as his many 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 talents but you're absolutely right Abdul to bring up that that wonderful touch he took against Spurs when the you know the ball was uh, you know way up in the stratosphere it was like that video that went viral of that guy uh, jumping from 80,000 feet I mean he could have that guy that who was in a sort of space suit the highest parachute jump ever do google it if you don't know what i'm on about but that guy could have headed that ball back down uh last week against spurs and 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 salah just just it wasn't the fact that it was a it was a sublime touch it was also the direction that the ball took it's almost automatic for him i don't know how quickly how his brain could possibly be so quick but it was just in the perfect place away from all of the spurs players and it's that spatial awareness that he has that uh, I've never seen before. And it makes him underrated still um, by opposition fans more than Liverpool fans. Um, I heard an Arsenal fan on the LFC Day Trippers podcast, wonderful podcast. Uh, do check it out if you don't uh, already. Uh, but an Arsenal fan saying that, you know, comparing Mo Salah to Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, saying that basically they were two good finishers, but that's all they can do. And I almost vomited. But today, it's all about joy. It's all about the, uh, you know, the good vibes, the happy the happy synapses firing. Uh, the third goal, Jeannie Vijnaldum, um, it was ticky-tacker. It was ticky-tacker, uh, tick-tock, tell your granny football. Um, Jeannie Vijnaldum, Peter, I'm going to go to you because I, 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 we were talking a little bit before um, we started recording and uh, you're a professional dancer and I asked you to think about the, Mo Salah and Jeannie Vijnaldum. Just a general question because for me they're the most wonderfully balanced uh, human beings and I just want 
you to tell me about this sort of, you know, the way that, you know, as, as you understand how the body works and how the body moves, you know, how, um, you know, how rare it is to have two players with such amazing balance and strength, or I just want you to talk about these players in terms of the sort of advantage that having their amazing balance uh, brings Liverpool. Well, I love the the question. I love the two players that you decided to um, to cite for for having these uh, the strength, the strength and the balance. And you were just talking about how how um, you're almost laughing uh, at the comparison from Salah to Obama Yang. And and the main difference I would say is is his awareness of space. Yes, but but Salah is so strong, and he's able to him and both genie alike are able to use their bodies no matter who is on top of them no matter where they are on the pitch they always seem to know where the ball is how to use their body how to use the space and at a certain level you have so much trust in your body and sala i believe excels mostly in these moments where it's instinctual it's reaction time. It's in the moment. He's not in his head, but he's present in the space. And when you're present and just following, you're, you're gauging all these little, little movements around you, and it's just, it's just instinct. And I think, Sal, you know, to Abdul's point and his criticism of Sal at times, when he's trying really hard and he has time to think about what he's doing, I think he can let himself down a little bit. But when he's in the moment and he just, he lashes at the ball, he sees the opening, he sees the body, he sees the pass. When the ball's coming in from Shakiri, it's all happening so fast that he's able to trust his body. And, and that elite level of, of awareness and connection to your body um, allows, allows the, true, the true great players in to be able to do that. And that's the reason I, I fell in love with football almost 20 years ago was the, the spatial relationship um, between the players, um, the variety that all the different formations give to you and the ability to balance your body and to still manipulate the ball um, is, is just so, so fascinating to me. And the, the two of them, are, are so good and I was so happy with the third goal and that it was a real team goal and our amount of crosses that we've put in per game has has dropped significantly and we're starting to work the ball in these tight areas um, Sala was able to make these runs all day even in the first half before we started scoring knowing that these passes were going to come their timing and uh, their approach um, was so effective, and I'm, I'm so glad it all paid off for them today. Because that that performance level, if we can put that in, and everybody trusts that everybody else is going to do their task and and uh, and make the pass and make the move, uh, it's it's really hard to stop. Can I just uh, come in on that quickly as well? Because um, uh, obviously, Peter, you're a dancer as well, so I'm sure you know about this. But there's this whole um, psychological theory called um, the flow state um by this i can't really pronounce the name but some psychologist called mihai something 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 it's a really complex surname but he basically talks about um high level athletes or um artists or just anybody but somebody who's in focus on the task you get into this kind of flow state where uh you don't even have to really think about what you're doing so especially what you're saying about Salah, like instinctive, instinctive actions where he doesn't even think about it. Um, I think that applies to Liverpool as a team and it has applied to Liverpool as a team over the last few years. This season has been derailed, obviously, by the injuries to Virgil. But when the team hits their flow state and they're consistent with that, like I said, I think we are we're the best team in Europe. Um, nobody can really match us and um, you get goals like we got today. Uh, especially the second goal and definitely the third goal as well. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to add on to that from Pisa because I thought he made some great points. Absolutely beautiful. And uh, not because I know, but just because I asked Auntie Google uh, who this guy was. And um, Mihaly Sikjent Mihaly, 
uh, was his name. Um, if you can, uh, without Googling it, uh, send me a message on Twitter or coponpodcast.gmail.com with your um, attempts at spelling his surname, Chick Gent Mihaly, I will send a packet of custard creams to the person who gets the closest spelling. Um, but uh, yeah, he was he's uh, still he's still alive. He's 86 years old. He was born in a place called Fiume in the Kingdom of Italy, which is now Rijeka in Croatia. And gosh, I love Wikipedia and Google. And I absolutely love that uh, that, uh, you know, fact about the flow state. Uh, we were in full flow. Uh, let's, you know, think about uh, let's go from the back to the front on our players then uh alison becker uh abdul back to you what did what did you think about the brilliant alison today yeah um they never really have to say much about alison and that's that's exactly how it should be because <laughs> i'm sure too many people have spent a lot of time talking about adrian in the past um but yeah alison has his mistakes sometimes he's not completely flawless but flawless display from him today i remember he he rushed out a couple of times made some really important challenges um, and he allows us to have that high line, gave a lot of confidence to young Nat Phillips as well. Um, so yeah, great, great performance from him. Excellent. Yeah, not much to say about him. You're absolutely right. That is an, um, a, an excellent thing in a goalkeeper. But yeah, when he rushed out against uh, Mikhail Antonio, did a little shimmy, took it round him and then laid it square for Thiago. That was probably his highlight, wasn't it? Superb. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold is next on the list. Uh, you're a lucky man, Peter. You get to talk about Trent. Oh, Trent. Trent is back on form, isn't he? Um, he was uh, he was moving so, so well. Uh, he was solid defensively, as was basically the whole back, back four, back five, including Allison. Um, but the speed as, at which he was making turns and moves to try to get the ball into the box when he was in the penalty area, uh, he had a couple touches today that reminded me of Mane, the way he almost slows down the ball and stands up, uh, stands up the defender, and then just one touch, one juke, and uh, and cuts into space. And it was really good to see him playing with that, um, with that belief and that speed, that lightning quick um, speed where um, he was just one step ahead. Um, of whoever was in front of him. It's really, really great <laughs> to see uh, to see Trent back in that form. Yeah, totally. And interestingly, in the stats, he had only five crosses today. Uh, none of them were accurate, but that's okay. Uh, when he played, you know, not badly, but a little bit frustratingly, uh, he put 18, he had 18 attempts at crosses uh, and none of them on on target. I think that was against Burnley couple of games ago or maybe the game before that um when but you know i don't know if it's an if it's uh, an instruction from jürgen but instead his long balls he's going for more long balls 10 long balls and four of them being accurate it's almost like he's he's learning not to just whack it in uh, against you know central defenders who love uh, defending crosses against our small attackers so he's really really good he's he's still improving uh, 85.3% passing accuracy from 68 passes and then defensively he had uh, one tackle no interceptions uh, no clearances no blocked shots because he didn't have that much to do defensively because Liverpool was so dominant but yeah good stuff from Trent um, next on the list is Jordan Henderson Captain Jordan, I don't know about you, Abdul, because uh, I don't watch uh, British TV, so I don't know, um, you know, thankfully, I don't have the Sky commentary, Martin Tyler and all that stuff. Uh, but I could hear Jordan Henderson bellowing over uh, the commentator that I had today. And uh, could you hear him? I mean, what did you think of Jordan's performance? Uh, Captain Fantastic, I guess we're going to have to call him. Uh stepped into that centre-back role, left centre-back, and he's just... Uh, I think I saw a quote. Apparently, Millie was shouting at him, like, oh, you better be careful. If you keep playing like that, you're going to make that your permanent position or something like that. He has been absolutely amazing these last two games that he's played in centre-back. And, um, yeah, you can hear him for sure, Owen, on, on the streams. Even when they've got the fake man fan noise, you can hear him there shouting. He's always going, Div! Div! Uh, reference to Divock Origi and uh, yeah 
I think the the LFC uh, social media team also do him a lot of credit as well. Every single match they always post afterwards, like, oh, listen to him. He's, he's talking a lot. But not even just his um, organization, his leadership or his experience, his actual play at centre-back is, it's, uh, it's amazing. Uh, he's doing the chip over the top balls that Virgil loves doing. He's getting involved in the build-up play at the back when we're rotating it and making the right passes and... He's giving a lot of support to um, whoever is his centre-back partner. So, yeah, it's just another case of Jordan Henderson being given a new challenge in his Liverpool career. Like, he's always been given a challenge. And uh, he's just standing up to it and doing himself a lot of good, doing his his reputation a lot of good. Um, So, yeah, he's definitely, I think, somebody who's going to go down in Liverpool history books. And Saint... Well, everything that I've just said, right? I'm probably one of the biggest Jordan Henderson naysayers. I've got I've got people who constantly every single week will at me, who would be like, "Oh yeah, look at Henderson doing this," because they know how much I don't not dislike him, but just how much I criticize him. So um, yeah, I I think he's just amazing, and uh, long may it continue. But lovely answer. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing uh, more satisfying than being proved wrong uh, when you criticise a player. It's happened to me on, on a few occasions. And it's wonderful to be proved wrong when they're so brilliant. Um, I, I'd still to criticise Jordan, though, because he is uh, unbelievable, really. Uh, his passing accuracy was 89.9% from 89 passes. He was barking encouragement at, at everybody rather than calling people a div. He was actually, uh, you know, saying well done to, to so many people. Um, Marvellous stuff. Uh, and uh, defensively, again, not much to do, but he, he had one tackle, one interception, one clearance, uh, no blocked shots. Um uh, but yeah, you know, coming forward like like Joel Matip uh, in his prime, um, wonderful performance from the captain. And next to him, the much maligned, the untrusted uh, Nathaniel Phillips. Um, was he more Franco Baresi, or was he more uh, Franz Beckenbauer, or was he more Marcel Desailly for you, Peter? Because I can't decide between those three legends. Oh God. <laughs> I won't uh, compare him to any of any of those. Um, but you know what? When we had uh, Ragnar Kalavan at the club, that's what we wanted him to do. Solid, classic defending. He just was a re- well-rounded presence at the back. Also, there was a picture that um, somebody posted of, of Phillips giving Tiago a hug last week. Phillips is, is massive. Um, he's a really, really tall guy. And... I thought he um, he was the only person who was really being um, tested. I mean, Antonio was definitely targeting him, and Phillips rise to the occasion over and over again. I thought he put in such a great performance. There was one moment, I think, in the first half where Antonio looked like he was going to get get past Phillips, and Phillips, you know, he found his top gear. He got just a little bit physical with Antonio, uh, nothing illegal, and was able to hold him up and just put in a beautiful display. Obviously, West Ham, a big threat from set pieces. There are one or two times where Phillips is running towards his own goal and manages to get his head on it. And I, I just, I have been a big advocate for Phillips for a while, um, always keeping my eye on where he was, even when he was playing at Stuttgart last year. Um, I think, uh, obviously, I don't see him in, in training, but he, he manages to get the job done. Sometimes it's not it's not pretty, um, but he's he's fairly dependable, and he's put in another good performance. Last time he played against West Ham, he was man of the match. I wouldn't you know go that far today, but um, so happy to see Phillips have another good outing. And, um, yeah, more of that, please. I thought he was excellent. I thought he was uh, possibly second on my man of the match list after uh, Mo Salah. But um, I, I want to stay with him, uh, with the centre-back, uh, just for a moment, Abdul. Because Nat Phillips, if he plays like that, I'd rather him than Mustafi or or even Dayan Lovren. I would prefer Nat Phillips because Mustafi and Lovren, yes, they do all right sometimes. But most of the time, they're, they're a liability. They're an accident waiting to happen. And I would rather someone who was 
you know, just more solid and who hasn't yet proved themselves to be full of mistakes. And Nat Phillips, he might make a mistake. He might make a few mistakes. But I would, I would, for me, Mustafi would be nowhere near my team if Nat Phillips uh, plays like that. I don't know. What do you think, Abdul? <laughs> I've been uh, leading the anti-Mustafi shouts for the last few days on the timeline as well, to be honest. Uh, the moment the name was out there, I was like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> like, just no. Uh, no Mustafi. Definitely would not like Mustafi at the club. He seems a bit error-prone. Uh, like I said, it feels like someone like him and Lovren, the errors are part of their DNA. And to Nat Phillips, he feels very much like the opposite of that. He's very solid. He does what it says on the tin when it comes to being a centre-back. Um, but he's also um, still young enough that he can develop a lot of um, talent when it comes to, you know, passing um, and taking the ball out from the back and going on long runs like we see Matip do. And he's around the best defenders in the world to help him learn how to do that when they come back from the injury room. Um, but yeah, I mean, the thing is with signing somebody like Mustafi, he kind of comes with expectations around how much game time he actually wants to play and all that kind of stuff. And the truth is we only really need a center back for the next six months. Um, and then after that, you're going to have to really be showing something different. If you want to say that you're going to keep, uh, Virgil van Dijk. Joe Gomez and Joel Matip, who, when he's fit, I think is one of the best centre-backs in the world out of this team. So um, Nat Phillips is, uh, you know, a good, solid, dependable option, and he hasn't given us any reasons to doubt him so far. But saying that, there has been some news on the centre-back front this evening, um, and I think I'll let you break that, Owen. Uh, well, I've been, I've been out of it. I've just been sort of making cups of tea and eating cookies since our victory, so I don't know what's going on. Well, uh, we actually have signed, well, not official, but it looks like we are on the cusp of signing uh, Ben Davies, not the Tottenham one, uh, the one from Preston. So a league below, I think. Uh, he's a left-footed centre-back um, for, for about a fee of two million. Uh, he's got a contract expiring in the summer. And we're also going to send Sepp Vandenberg over to Preston on loan in return. And uh, yeah, it looks like we've got a we've got some depth finally. Um, so yeah, g g good times, in, uh, plenty basically. Wow, uh, wow, big news. Okay, so I've just jumped on fbref.com, wonderful stats site. Uh, he's played 19 games in the championship. He's one meter 85 centimeters or six foot and a half, if you like. He's 25 years old. He's English, so no worries about work permits. Damn you, Brexit, anyway. Uh, Preston North End are 11th in the championship. So he's 24 years old. Um, yeah, 19 games, 19 starts. Uh, no goals, no assists. Uh, blimey, what a, what a good... Uh, I don't know, what a, what a shocker. What, what, what do you think, Peter? This, we, we, we've got a centre-back. Uh, yeah, by definition, it sounds like we have a center back. That's that's fantastic. I mean, beggars can't be choosers right now. Um, uh, at the very least, if he helps us get some of our midfield back to full strength, um, that will be that will be good. Um, you know, I, I obviously I don't know anything about the player, but I'm gonna go ahead and just uh, trust the people that are paid to make these decisions. They've done well for us in the past. Uh, it's encouraging that. Uh, Henderson keeps growing into the role in case it doesn't work out. Phillips doing well. Um, so, you know, if he's willing to come and help, I will I will back him and, and hope for the best. Yeah, great stuff. Wow, that's wonderful. Because, uh, you know, it frees up people to go in, in, into midfield, obviously, if, if necessary. So, you know, um, wow, gives us more options. Yeah, it makes sense. Absolute sense to sign somebody. Uh, let's keep going through the list of players from today. Andy Robertson. Um, uh, he had the highest passing accuracy percent rate. Oh, actually, the second highest 
passing accuracy percent 93.8 you can't get the ball off him Andy Robertson was terrific today Peter I thought um, he had 80 passes 93.8% passing accuracy four crosses none of them were successful but that's kind of normal for Liverpool uh, two long balls and both of those were accurate uh, defensively uh, four clearances uh, one blocked shot um, Nat Phillips, by the way, also had four clearances and one blocked shot. Uh, so defensively, he was good. Um, he kept the ball really well. He was up and down. He was linking the play. Andy Robertson, uh, solid and dependable, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, my man of the uh, player of the season, for, for sure. He has been up and down um, the whole pitch. Nobody, nobody plays... Um, so good offensively and all those one twos with whoever he has to play with mind you he didn't have money today uh which is usually one half of that equation um but then to come in and play so well defensively he's not a big guy either um but he is so scrappy so solid so dependable um you know i'm, I'm i was glad we brought in a left back last su- summer for uh for cover but but the guy is just a machine knock on wood he just doesn't quit and it can't be understated the importance and the uh, the quality that we have in Andy Robertson. Uh, long may it continue, uh, for sure. I'm surprised uh, those crosses weren't weren't finding their targets. Um, he's got he's been having really great delivery all season, uh, so hopefully uh, he gets back on on the assist scorecard pretty soon. But uh, yeah, another wonderful display from our left back. Lovely answer, absolutely. Uh, moving into the midfield, Abdul, um, I'll give you a choice. You can talk about Genie, you can talk about Tiago, you can talk about James Milner uh, or Curtis Jones or Oxlade Chamberlain. Uh, yeah, there you go. It's a nice big choice. Go where you like. Oh, I feel overwhelmed now. Um, I, I just want to go straight to Tiago, to be honest, and I'm sorry if I take that out of Peter's hands. But um, I go think. Forward. Yeah, I, I think um, over the he's obviously been getting a lot of this criticism about oh he slows down our play oh blah 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 blah, but I think the last few performances he's put in, he's just been going from strength to strength to strength. It was a bit concerning seeing him diving into all those challenges and seeing how many fouls he's making. I'm just going to chalk that down to he's just getting to grips with this league and the intensity, and he's maybe diving in a bit because um, you know it's just a bit he just doesn't know. He, he just gets lost in the in the pace of the game and then he doesn't really know how to make a normal challenge. So hopefully he doesn't get, it doesn't carry on. But um, apart from that, I think he's been putting in absolutely flawless performances. Um, the passing, the positions he's taking up to help with the wall rotation. Um, he's, he's really becoming a, a part of our team as well. Like you can see he's um, not just a player from another team in the Liverpool team. He's very much a Liverpool player now and um, yeah I just I think it's important to highlight that yeah he's just really becoming a big uh, mainstay in our team and um, yeah touch wood no more injuries and he can carry on this form and maybe towards the end of the season we'll see some spectacular uh, play from him that we're all accustomed to but for now I'm happy to see this the normal kind of play and uh, hopefully he just keeps betting better. Yeah, I mean, his normal is sort of sparkly stardust, isn't it? He had two key passes. Uh, he was the only player on the pitch to get over 100 passes. He had 102 passes today with a whopping 89.2% passing accuracy. Included in those passes were seven attempted long balls, four of those were on target. Uh, he also had managed to get a cross in. Um, defensively, he was the best player on the pitch in terms of tackles by a long way. No one else had more than one tackle. He had five. And it's interesting you mentioned the tackles, Abdul, because for me, there's another player who's tackling, who who has very similar, he's very, very similar. It's Marco Verratti at Paris Saint-Germain. Both 
players can completely control the tempo of a match. They can play one touch, two touch, three touch. They can dribble. They can do pretty much anything. Their technique is monstrous. And both players get a lot of bookings for diving in. And I just think it's Thiago's style. Um, a few of his tackles, a few of those five successful tackles today were sliding tackles. There were, I think there were two successful sliding tackles. I just think it's his style. Of course, the referees, the English referees don't have a clue what they're doing at the best of times. And so they, you know, they, they blow up for a couple of fouls. They think, well, he's gone to ground. But he's actually genuinely trying to get the ball. Uh, and it's a, it's a style thing. Yes, I think he does have to temper it. Uh, and hopefully, um, Peter, I want to ask you about, you know, the tactically, because um, I think hopefully he won't have to be the most defensive midfielder that we have. I think Bayern Munich, they played him as the six. I think one of the things is just pure um, instinct, intuition. I, I've no idea if it's true, but I, I wonder if with Henderson and Fabinho in the team, Thiago will be given that role um, a little bit like Shakiri had today, but be behind the front three, very much like we saw him against Tottenham Hotspur going forward. Uh, what do you think about Thiago? I mean, what, what I mean, are you happy to see him in that defensive midfield number six role, or would you like to see him behind the front three like he was against Spurs? I would like to see him behind the front three like he was against Spurs and the, the freedom that he had to play like an eight today. Um, his, the timing of his tackles, I mean, oh, and you make a good point and draw some interesting parallels um, between him and other players. And um, I remember when Fabinho first came in, he spent the first five or six months adjusting to how he would use his tackling abilities and, and be effective in this league. And it took Fabinho some time. I remember being concerned that uh, Fabinho wouldn't have, have the reaction speed um, or the strength to be effective, but it was just a little bit of a learning curve. Um, obviously, um, for me, Fabinho is still our best option. Once we get everybody back in midfield, he's my preferred six. And giving Tiago that little bit more room to operate. I mean, we saw it last uh, last game and and today and he just keeps things moving so so well um he just has a different type of vision similar to you know shakiri now that shakiri is staying fit um it's nice to see him um get a run of games and uh we we need that you know we've been crying out for this on and off for the last couple of years and so i mean tiago is just um playing that that part beautifully and Wijnaldum is complimenting, um, com complimenting that so well. Um, he's not putting in as many tackles as Thiago is, but I feel Genie's work off the ball to, to intercept, um, to block off the passing lanes, his ball retention and his ability to deliver it to a safe area. Until we get Henderson and Fabinho back, um, Genie in the six is, is just working beautifully. So... Um, yeah, I know some people at first were uh, raising some question marks over whether or not Tiago was actually slowing us down. Um, I obviously I I don't agree or subscribe to that. But giving him that little bit of leeway um, and that that pass that he put in today, um, kind of he wasn't quite out wide, but it's just a little bit off to the left side. He put this little chipped, dinked ball right to uh, right onto Divock's foot, um, bounced right in front of him, and just passes like this. Um, are just they're just beautiful and and they're 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 hard to find so yeah we need to uh to give him some space to to keep keep getting the ball up front and and you can see it in Mane's movement versus Tottenham last week uh the the way they kept finding Mane um in between the lines and then Salah today you could just tell Salah has so much more trust that somebody is going to find him so I think Thiago's presence um is just absolutely crucial for us. And we have to remember Tiago's learning a new league and a team that's still trying to sort out its best formation given the circumstances right now. He had a pretty long injury. So I think we're now just starting to see Tiago uh, really fulfill his potential in the this current Liverpool squad. 
Um, yeah, I mean, and we can watch them. It's a lovely answer. Thank you, Peter. I mean, we can watch them all day, all night, all week, all year. Uh, Tiago is a, is, 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 is a real beauty, isn't he? He's a peach of a player. He's the whole peach orchard. Um, can you have a peach orchard? Is there a different word? Who knows? Um, going forward, um, Chernan Shakiri or Divokarigi? Abdul, which one would you prefer to talk about? I'm going to take my boy Divok. <laughs> um, I'm quite famous, actually, for uh, creating this whole, like... I basically just said that Divok Origi is one day going to win the Ballon d'Or a couple of years ago. And uh, a lot of people have just been roasting me with that for, for years since. So I've, I've had to firm it, to be honest, because I'm not going to lose this one. I think, uh, I think he's a great player. I think he's very underrated and when we when he scored those goals in our champions league run and immortalized himself in lfc folklore it's possibly uh some of the greatest vindication i've ever felt um obviously maybe it's going to be hard for him to actually reach ballon d'or but um i think i think he's it's unfortunate his situation in liverpool squad and it's the exact same thing that applies to minamino as well i think um they've they're both talented players, I think. They both have qualities, but you're playing with, you're trying to get in front of, you know, three of the best forwards the Premier League has ever seen uh, in their own regard. And that's just not going to happen. Um, so you have to make peace with the fact that you're going to get bits of matches here and there. And that's all that Rigi has really got. He's just had like little bites of 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, all season long. And then suddenly he's thrown in for a start just last week against Burnley or something like that. And he's expected to just deliver when the team in itself is going through a hard point. And then, yeah, he hits the post. And then that's even more pressure piled on top of him. Um, but I think a lot of the hate that he gets is unwarranted. I think he does a lot of good things in matches which people just don't look at and don't give him credit for because they're just done with him and they want another attacker, a new shiny attacker. But today, especially, I think he was doing a lot of the good stuff that maybe he never usually does, which gets him a lot of criticism. So the stuff that Firmino usually does when he drops deep and he links up play, plays those smart one-twos, makes himself available, pressing. I wouldn't say he was pressing at quite the same level as Firmino, but I did notice a couple of sprints from him where I thought, okay, yeah, he's, he's trying to put in some effort. He's a big lad, you know? It takes a lot to lug that body around the pitch, so I'm I, I'm not expecting him to press like Firmino, but I was encouraged by what I saw from him today. Um, I I think he's technically a really, really good forward. I think he can do pretty much anything you want a good forward to do. So he's got the long shot. He's He can head it sometimes. He's good at finishing when he's in form and he's confident. So, yeah, I mean, Divock Origi, I think there's a lot of upside to him. I don't know if he'll be making his name for his career here at Liverpool. Like he, He's already done that as in the goals in the Champions League run. But I think there is another part of his career where he can really make himself the main man for a, a team somewhere. Maybe not Liverpool, because we just expect too much too soon at the moment. Um, but yeah, I, I really hope he has a great career and he can look back on it with pride. <laughs> I I agree that I, I think uh, Divac um, would definitely do better in uh, a team that was a little bit more suited to his style. But I, I would like to say a little bit of Klopp to uh, a little bit of credit to Klopp today for um, making the formation work for who was available. I think it's really easy for Origi to get uh, a little bit isolated when he's playing way out wide, like Mane would be. Uh, the fact that they played with two center forwards instead of instead of the three, and they had the, he had the diamond behind him. Shakiri was all over the place. Um, Origi was able to make runs that uh, just kept him a little bit closer to the net. So when he uh, when he received the ball or was able to get one touch, he was only one touch away from a threatening goal. And I and I think if we are going to have to utilize him over the next few weeks, if Mane's out with a serious injury, um, that I think today was the first time that I really saw us play uh, in a way that would have best utilized uh, Origi's strengths. I, I don't know if... He'll be winning the Ballon d'Or this year, <laughs> but uh, um, but I one agree. day, Peter, one day. One... <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> but it was it was promising, no doubt. I'll, I'll give him give him some credit today. <laughs> yeah, super stuff, super stuff. Yeah, very interesting uh, uh, tactical analysis there. Thank you, Peter. But um, you know, uh, in the numbers, uh, he had three shots. None of them were on target. Uh, one key pass, probably that was that lovely uh, square pass to Mo Salah, who almost scored. Um, 30 passes in total, 80% passing accuracy. It's very, very good. It was a very, very good performance from Divock. He was dangerous. I think it was his best performance of the season. Um, just quickly to skirt over uh, the Love Shack, the Power Cube. Um, three key passes, right? From 44 passes. Three of them were key. 90.9% passing accuracy. That's amazing for an attacker. Uh, one cross, uh, it was an accurate cross. Two long passes from Jordan Shakiri. Both of those were also accurate. Um, he managed to get a tackle in, as did Divock Origi. Uh, Divock even managed to get a clearance in, which shows you that his work rate was superb today. Uh, and um, yeah, Jordan Shakiri, I thought it was a marvellous thing. And of course, we're all going to watch that assist for the second goal over and over and over but as we sort of draw towards a close for this episode although i could talk all night i do want to leave enough time to talk about the man of the match i'm not even going to ask you who your man of the match is because there can be only one mohammed salah um seven shots four of them on target one key pass one dribble he was fouled once um and he was dispossessed only twice uh, you know, his passing-wise, 45 passes, so he's on the ball a lot for an attacker. 86.7% passing accuracy. Amazing stuff. Um, his touch, his guile, his balance, his strength that we've talked about. Um, but also, I think very wonderfully, a wonderful stat from today was that this is his fourth season with Liverpool and he becomes the first player since Ian Rush in the 80s to score over 20 goals for four consecutive seasons. I believe that is the correct stat. Um, but he's just a marvel. He's an absolute marvel. Um, Peter, how many do you think he can get, Mohamed Salah? I mean, you said you'd be criti critical of him, but at the same time, of course, you love him. Of course you do. We all do. Um, how long can he keep going for us? Well, I think he can keep going for at least three more years at this level. I mean, you can just tell the way he takes care of his body. He's available almost all the time. Uh, he recovers from injuries quickly. Um, I hope we are lucky enough to have him um, in Liverpool Red for for the next three or four years. If no matter what fee you would get for him, you would just be hoping that you would invest that money and get somebody as good as as Salah. He's an output merchant. He just does so much, and he's he's told to do this, um, you know, by the. The, the coaching staff and the way that they analyze games and where's our greatest per percentage of uh, creating something. And, you know, Sala is, is encouraged to have a go, to go for it. Um, and, uh, and to have the confidence to want to take, take the shot on, to, to beg for the ball. Um, you know, that can't be understated. He's a big time player. He, um, He's already won, you know, almost everything that there is to win, you know, World Cup aside. But, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot left in his tank. And, um, you know, his celebrations have been a little bit subdued these last few games. Uh, hopefully he's just, you know, keeping humble, keeping his head down. Uh, recent reports are showing that he's happy at Liverpool. And uh, I hope we do everything we, we can do to keep him because it's just a generational talent. And he shows no signs of stopping. So... Without a doubt, all hail man of the match for me. Excellent stuff. And sorry, yes, it wasn't you who, who, who criticised Mo Salah. It was Abdul. How dare you, Abdul? How dare you? What? Do, I mean, I know, I know you love him. I know you love him as well. Um, you know what? What can you say about the man of the match, Mo? Well, uh, as well, my name is Abdul, so I'm a Muslim. Uh, Muhammad Salah is also a Muslim, so. Um, 
All I can say is he is uh, proof that our God is real. <laughs> no, jokes. Not at all. I don't want to go there. But um, <laughs> all I'd say is, uh, yeah, I I love him, even though I hate him. Not not that I hate him, but, you know, even though I show him hate, I love him. Because, uh, yeah, I just, like I said, I don't think there is another footballer in the planet like him. And he's just so perfectly fit for the football that we play, for the system that Klopp has arranged at this team for the attitude that the players have when they step out onto the pitch, for the um, the spirit that the fans give in the stadium. he's He just ticks every single box as an attacker. Um, <clears throat> and what Peter says is completely right. <laughs> if we do get rid of him, you have to, you know, do all the prayers and everything just to hope that we get in somebody who could be like him. Because I can't really see anybody in world football who could. So... I think it is the big existential question hanging around Liverpool's neck at the moment. What is a post-Salah, post-Mane, post-Firmino future looking like? And what are the contingency plans for this? And I do not envy whoever it is who is making these decisions at the moment because these are very hard decisions. I don't even know if Klopp's going to be here to make the decisions because um, if Pete, <clears throat> if what Peter says is right, he does the next three years. Um, that's roughly around the same time Klopp's contract ends. And then they both ride off into the sunset, right? So, yeah, really, who knows? Um, and because who knows, we might as well just enjoy him as much as we can while he's here. So I think I'll tone down my criticism of him and uh, I'll just sit back, relax and enjoy the Mohammed Salah show. <laughs> Excellent. Yes, we've got to appreciate him while he's in, as you say, the flow state. And as Peter wonderfully said before, he's just in the space. He is there. Uh, he's one of ours, and we're absolutely delighted. Um, thank you so, so much, Abdul. Uh, it's been a real pleasure, and Peter as well. It's been fabulous speaking to you both today. Um, you know, I'm going to uh, head off. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just probably going to stand in the kitchen and sort of, you know, look at the wall and sort of sigh uh, for a couple of hours and just replay those goals in my head uh, but uh, whatever you're going to do um, you know I hope it's as dreamy and as wonderful thank you very much guys thank you thank you